This morning we have one of our own. He's a member of our class, as well as a member of our church. He and his wife, Emmanuel and Violet. Uh, Emmanuel graduated from the University of India, where he taught for 11 years. He has, uh, he's graduated from uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. He has a master's degree and a PhD from the University of Texas in Arlington. He is currently, uh, they have uh, uh, translated the New Testament into the Indian language. Uh, he is now writing commentaries and study guides. And in his spare time, he's a Christian author. Emmanuel, it's a pleasure and honor to have you with us and present God's Word today. If you, if you did not get the outline, please uh, let us know and somebody would uh, probably give you because we will follow that. And uh, I gave you two outlines. We are not covering both. One is the one that we covered in June last time I was up here. And we would be referring to that. And the other one is for today. I checked up the class roster and found that there are no Christians in this class. <laughs> so we, we decided to join. And we brought two more Christians today. Uh, Franklin and Ella Christian. Uh, so they did not come through this, so they were not introduced as visitors. But they are good friends of ours. Uh, we have known them from, uh, uh, from India. They are neighbors in India, our neighbors they were. And even our parents knew each other, so we have known each other for a couple of generations. Uh, about this time change, we have had uh, comments in the worship service and here. How do you like that? I like the fall time change because you get an hour, but you don't realize that you have to give it back. <laughs> and, and we don't like that. You know what? So those people who decided to change the time on Sunday morning must not be church-going people. <laughs> Otherwise, why did not they decide to do it on Saturday morning? So you can sleep till noon, unless your grandchildren are visiting you, right? But, you know, nobody takes my advice. That's okay. The problem is, when God does something in the world, he doesn't ask my advice. Or when he does something in my life, he doesn't ask my permission. And if you think, who do you think you are? That God will have to ask your advice or permission. You are right. <laughs> you are right. Because that's exactly what God told Job, right? But... Let's, let's wait till we get into the main point. Let's begin at the beginning, right? Thanks so much, Doug, and class leadership for this opportunity. I may have told you last time I was here that I feel, whenever I have this opportunity, I feel like a kid in a candy store. But too much candy is not good, right? <laughs> but you can never have enough of the Word of God because... It's sweet and sweeter than, than honey. Let's stand up and read a few verses. Uh, as you have the outline, you know, uh, Philippians 2, 6 to 11. Who? 
who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Father, for revealing yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we spend this time together, we pray, Father, that you would reveal him more to us, so that we can worship him and adore him with our minds and hearts and lives. And we pray that you would use through your spirit this time together to that end. In our Savior's name, amen. Please be seated. Theology is something that we study. It is not only for seminary professors or pastors, but for every one of us. Because it is theology that impacts our lives. You may be familiar with some of the theology that is expressed in the peanut cartoons. Here is one. Charlie Brown and Lucy are sitting inside the room and they, it's raining heavily and Lucy is concerned that, oh man, this is so raining so heavily that it would drown the whole world. And Charlie consoles her, don't worry, because God has promised that it will not happen. And Lucy says, oh, thanks, Charlie, you've taken a great load off my mind. And Charlie says, sound theology has a way of doing that. Theology impacts life. What you believe decides how you live. Our convictions form our character. And our convictions are not formed by the lies we hear around us, but by the truth that we learn from the Word of God. And man or a woman without conviction is like a ship without rudder. We heard this morning. Or a plane without GPS. We live by convictions. And so that's what we have been studying whenever I have opportunities. A uh, couple of years ago, I, uh, thank you Blair, a couple of years ago I wrote uh, a series of five articles. Uh, Jesus, the only way, mountain too high to climb. We covered one uh, few months ago, and you have outlined before you for that lesson, we will not be covering that just for your reference. Today we are covering the second one. The third one is a valley too deep to cross. 
fourth one a place no one needs to go and finally a place where everyone is welcome and how to go there so as time allows and i have opportunities we were going over that one after another so today is the one uh, mountain too high to climb you may not have ever thought of that but there is a, there are two problems with religion two problems with religion one is that you can't test it we are people of physical bodies and we want everything want to see touch smell experience and unless we do that we can't really accept that with theology with philosophy uh, with religion you can't do that and second problem is many things in theology we don't understand so it creates two problems one is that many have invented their own gods because they can't understand and we want to touch and smell everything and sometimes second problem it creates doubts have you ever thought of that that what if what if all that i believe is not true what if if you have never had that doubt you are an exception because we can't see we can't understand and, and so everything sometimes creates doubts in our remember the story that last time i told you the thief the not thief but the cheaters the, the, this this man is carrying a goat on his shoulder some of you may not have heard that may not have been here he is carrying a goat and three cheaters decide to get that goat and one comes to him and says hey hey you are a holy man and how come are you carrying a dog and to which this man replies are you blind don't you see this is not a dog this is a goat half a mile later another cheater comes and tells hey you are a holy man aren't you afraid aren't you ashamed to carrying this now this man looks around no 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 this is not a dog this is a goat half a mile later another comes and tells him the same thing and this man throws away his dog no no goat and remember the moral of the story anybody a lie when repeated several times does not turn into truth but it does become convincing a lie when repeated several time does not turn into truth but does become convincing and so all religions are not the same all religions are same is the lie that we hear and that's what we covered last last time that we had opportunity together and today we will see the second one remember the last time we said jesus the only way all religions are the same no they are not the theology is different they have a different concept of god anthropology is different they have a different concept of man hamartiology means sin is the concept of sin is different no other religion thinks about the sin nature of man other than christianity this uh, soteriology is different the salvation concept is different uh, 
eschatology, how the, these things would end and where we, where we would go is different. So all religions are different is pure, either pure ignorance or a lie from the pit of hell. Today we are going to see another point. How is Christianity a distinct and unique and different from any other religion? And these things you, we already know. But we need to keep reminding ourselves. Remember the two problems that the religions has? We can't test and we can't fully understand. And so that creates doubts. And sometimes the lies that we hear around us can become convincing. Just like that goat dog story. So today the point is the mountain too high to climb. Uh, Doug mentioned we did uh, translation and we lived uh, in a mountain town uh, up in the Himalayas, uh, 7,000 feet high. And from time to time we travel in the mountains. We would take a long trip. And one, one, one day, one time we went to a place called Valley of Flowers. And not now, but this afternoon you just type Valley of Flowers on your Google and you would see it's a beautiful 10 mile, 10 square mile place that you walk through and then start climbing a mountain, 14,000 feet. From, you go from 10,000 to 14,000 feet. And when you climb up there, there is a temple. And 150,000 people visit that temple. Other time we went to Gangotri, which is the mouth of the river Ganges, another 11,000 feet. You go take bus two days and then walk 18 kilometers, about 12, 13 miles, and you, you reach there. And there is a temple. And any mountain peak you go in the Himalayas, there is a temple. People go there, not for the natural beauty, but as a pilgrimage. Every place you go, there is a temple. Mount Mahameru is great mountain, is named, believed is abode of God. Mount Olympus is, is believed as the mountain of Greek gods. Inca civilization, Tibet, Buddhas. Everywhere, every religion you go, Buddhas or Sikhs or Hindus, their temples are up on the high mountains. Let us build a place that makes, that reaches up high in heavens, they said at the Tower of Babel. All religions, sometimes, somehow, they have a concept that God is sitting up on the top of a mountain and we are trying to reach God and climb up. And higher we go physically, we feel like we are closer to God. Why? Because there is a God-shaped vacuum in every heart. 
We all know Ecclesiastes 3, time to be born, time to die. First 10 verses. But you may not realize verse 11. Everything is temporal. There is time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to uproot, and so on. But verse 11 says, but God has placed eternity in their heart. God has made himself so evident, Romans 1, so that there is no excuse. And so everybody is trying to reach God. And all the world religions are attempt to reach God. But how can you reach God? How can anyone reach God? God says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are, are higher than your ways. Or, or, or Ecclesiastes says, when I gave my heart to know wisdom and to see the task which has been done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, and probably Solomon did that. And I saw every work of God, and I concluded that man cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun, even though man should seek laboriously. He will not discover. And though the wise men should, so, no, should say, I know, he cannot know. What he is saying is that if you think you know, you don't even know that you don't know. That's what he is saying. Even though wise men think that I know God, they don't know. A few years ago, we were, my wife, my son, and uh, I were cleaning a church. I was vacuuming a children's Sunday school area and I found a piece of paper. I've written a date on it, 1998, 21 years ago. I keep that in my Bible, keeps me humble. Little boy is writing, if you have a question, ask someone else, because I am stupider than you. <laughs> Out mouth of babes, because he's quoting scripture. I came across a verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 30, verse 22 says, 23 says, Agur, last two chapters of Proverbs are not by Solomon. Chapter 30 is by Agur, and chapter 31 is by Lemuel. So this wise man is writing, Surely I am more stupid. That's the word he's using. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man, nor have I, have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. Surely I am more stupid. You may not like this, but we are all stupider than God. We are all stupider than God. There is no way. There is no way. How can you reach this God? This infinite, eternal, 
transcendent God, how can you know Him? How can you have relationship with Him? Even the words infinite, eternal are out of our understanding. We cannot fully grasp even those words. How can you grasp God? And it was pointed out the beautiful music this morning. And when you, when you heard that, how great thou art, I think there would be no eyes without tears. Right? David writes in Psalm 8, it says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The sun and the moon and the stars that you have created with your fingers, the work of your fingers, not even hand, just the fingers. I consider, I think, who is man that you would even think about him? That's us. That's us. How can you reach that God that is transcendent, eternal, beyond our understanding? Job says, he is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it is now stands with me, I cannot. But you know what? Now we can. Now we can. Because the word that was in the beginning, the word that was with God, the word that was God, the word through whom everything was created and nothing that was created, created without him, that dwelt with us, that abides with us. And he says, no one can know God, no one can come into relationship with the Father except through me. Now, we can reach God. Although he was very God, exact replica of God, he did not desire to grasp that, but he humbled himself and became one of us and dwelt with us. A few years ago, uh, again, long time ago, I received a Christmas card on the uh, uh, front. The card has pictures of Blair. Uh, many people here. You can see those those pictures. Uh, Alexander the Great, who called himself the Great, one of the pharaohs, Caesar. Maharshi Maharshi Yogi of our own time, Hitler, Lenin, Napoleon, Buddha, Mao, 
last year we were in China and uh, uh, we were in Tiananmen Square and there was a, a mile long line, five people thick. And I asked the guide, "Who? what are these people doing? He said, they are waiting to get into the Mao's museum where Mao's body is lying uh, there to worship. And it says, history is crowded with men who would be God. Then you open the card and said, but only one God who would be man. History is crowded with men who would be gods, but only one God who would be man. Now, through him, we can come into relationship with that God. God is in the business of coming down the mountain and being with people. Remember he told Joe Moses that I heard the cries of my people because of the taskmasters in Egypt. And I have come down to take them to the land with, filled with milk and honey. And in and, the and book of Exodus, build a tabernacle for me. And the book of Exodus ends by saying that during the day, the pillar of cloud, and during the night, the fire, cloud of fire stayed with them. And wherever they went, God was with them. They were lost in the wilderness for 40 years, not because God was not with them, but... Because they were not with God. And then later on, Samuel, uh, Solomon built the temple. And the glory of God came down and dwelt in the temple. The temple was taken away and then they were in the exile. And book of Ezekiel says, chapter 10 and 11, the prophet sees the glory of God leaving the temple. But then again... God says that I will be their sanctuary even in the heathen land. And then we describe, Ezekiel describes the temple in chapter 40 to 48 and the book ends, book of Ezekiel ends. The name of the city is Jehovah Shammah, means Jehovah is there, Immanuel, the God with us. And then book of Hebrew begins by saying, in the past, God spoke in various ways through his prophets in many times. But in the last days, he has spoken through his son. God is in the habit of being with his people and, 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 and living with them. And that's what makes Christianity a unique religion. Mountain too high to climb, but the mountain came down to us so that we can have relationship with God. Instead of man trying to reach God, we, God, reached down to us. We will never fathom the mystery of incarnation, but we do not have to understand it. Think about that. God becoming man. How can you understand that? Eternal God in temporal body 
all knowing god growing knowledge growing in knowledge and wisdom almighty god become obedient to his parents we cannot fathom that we cannot understand that but that is what happened and we accept we have to accept that one half writes no priest or no theologian stood at the cradle in bethlehem and yet all christian theology has its origin in the wonder of all wonders that god became man alongside the brilliance of holy night there burns the fire of the unfathomable mystery of christian theology that's incarnation we cannot reach the mountains god reached down to us and i have spelled out the application and rest of the time we would take there it is only in christ that we have access to god do not be persuaded or dissuaded by the lies that we hear don't ever doubt the words of the lord himself there is no other way to come into the relationship with god except through christ there is no other name given among men by whom by which we can be saved don't you ever doubt that fact and don't you ever miss an opportunity to share that it is only christ there is no other name and this the truth that we have received is not because we are smarter than the people out there we are more intelligent than the people out there but because the grace of god that has revealed to us and we abide by the truth of the word of god and not persuaded by the lies that we hear and you know christianity makes sense if you think about that christianity makes sense it's a logical religion all the other lies don't stand this stand stands on the foundation of the word of god foundation of the truth so do you, we never do not ever doubt that second we do not have to understand we have to believe remember those two problems we cannot test and we cannot understand that creates doubts and that creates many other religions you know what people are trying people cannot live without god and so they when they cannot reach god they cannot access god cannot understand god they what happens they make up their own gods romans 1 god had revealed himself but they since they cannot reach god what they did they made their own gods moses was on the mountain for what 40 days and they couldn't wait we need god so they made up their own god people cannot live without god unless they come to the real god through jesus christ or they will make their own gods second point we don't have to understand we have to believe not being able to understand is no excuse for not believing 
Paul is using uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, he says, we live by faith, not by sight. You know that, right? He's speaking that in a spiritual sense. We live by faith. Religion is by faith, not by sight. But you know what? We apply that dictum in our physical life. Think about that. This small piece of paper or whatever, I cannot hold in the air, right? It falls down. Can you imagine thousands and thousands of pounds of weight of plane staying in the air? Do you understand how it happens? There are laws of aerodynamic laws, but I don't know any of those laws. But you get on that plane. You fall asleep. You leisurely read a book. Do you know the pilot? They sometimes are caught drunk. Do you know the ground crew? Do you know the TSA people who check them out? But we don't think about that. In all of our flights, there was only one time, there was only one time our son was flying. And so we knew that we were in good hands. <laughs> our son is a pilot with Southwest. And that time he was with AirTran. So we were flying from Dallas to Atlanta. And uh, we were flying standby, so we were sitting far back. And so he told one of the flight attendants, and uh, she brought us into the business class. Southwest doesn't have business class, but Airtron had. And so uh, we waited until uh, when the flight landed, we waited till everybody was out. Then our son and the pilot uh, captain came out. And they took us into the cockpit. I sat in his chair and I saw all the gadgets and scores of monitors. No idea whatsoever what happens and how it works. But we get on plane. You don't have to understand. We live by faith. When you buy food, we hear sometime in the news stained by, laced by salmonella. But every time you eat, do you check that? <laughs> How about your water? Every time you drink water, do you check that? Even the breezes give away, but you don't think about it, you drive. Even then there are many accidents happen, but we, can't, we don't think about that. You just literally drive and then even fumble with your phone and gadgets in the car. We live by faith in a physical realm. There is no other way. Howard Hughes died because he did not want to live by faith. You know the story of Howard Hughes. He was germophobic, so he, he put himself in secluded area. And when he died, they had to test uh, dental test to realize who he was because his nails were grown six inches and hair onto his back of his uh, back because he did not live by faith. In a physical realm, we live by faith. Why don't we take this word of God 
by faith. If we lived by faith just like we lived in the physical realm, if we lived by faith in the spiritual realm, our lives would be transformed, our lives would be different. Our lives would be filled with joy and excitement that the God that God has given us. And we would be on fire to tell people around us. Isaiah 55:12 says, "You will go out with joy and led forth by peace." So much so that the mountains and hills burst out in songs before you and the trees of the field clap their hands. And David says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, eternal pleasures. Our lives, if we lived by faith in the spiritual realm, just as we live by faith in the physical realm, our lives would be different. Our lives would be filled with joy and peace. So we do not have to understand and we do not have to doubt. Third, no excuse for not obeying because we don't understand. We take the word of God as face value. Deuteronomy 29, 29, beautiful verse. The whole book of Deuteronomy is a message of uh, Moses. And near the end, 29-29 says, Secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us, so that we keep those word of the Lord. We don't understand everything. And you know what? Even in eternity, we will not understand everything. Just like Christ, uh, omniscient, eternal God, when he was on earth, he grew in knowledge and wisdom. Can you understand? And book of Hebrews says that he learned obedience through suffering. Christ learned. Christ grew in knowledge and wisdom. So even in eternity, to know God would be eternity, even eternity would be short to know God. You will continue to know and continue to grow. And so the lack of full understanding of God should not be an excuse of not obeying. And finally, no excuse for not trying to understand. Well, we, I can't understand. So it's just like you mentioned about Revelation. People don't study Revelation because they are afraid to read that. Because we don't understand. Why do I have to bother with that? There, that's not an excuse. Peter says that in First Peter 3.15, that be ready to give the reason of hope that is in you. Do it with gentleness and reverence. But prepared. Prepared. You will never be able to fathom the depth of the word of God. You know Isaac Newton? That apple guy? When somebody was, somebody com com uh, commended him about his knowledge... He said, listen, beautiful, how humble. He said, I am like a little boy 
collecting seashells on seashore while the vast ocean remains unexplored. I am like a little boy collecting seashells on seashore while the vast ocean remains unexplored. You know how much, do we, how much we know about universe today, 21st century? Four and a half percent. Means 95% of universe is unknown today. 95% of ocean, according to the National Oceanic Service, is unknown today. Remember that what happened to that five years ago, exactly to the, to the day, March 8, 2014, MH270 went down the ocean. After so many nations involved in search, they still can't find it and don't know what. Even 300 years later, Isaac Newton died in 1717. We haven't much advanced. Science has not advanced. No matter how much we advance, we will never know. And how do we know that we know 5% if we don't know 95%? How do you decide that? There are 86 million species and only 5% of the species are known today. How do you know that there are 86 million species? How did you come to that name, number? We don't know. And we don't even know that we don't know. You will never know, and that is the joy of studying the Word of God daily, week by week, not just on Sunday morning, but week by week. Be prepared to give the reason to anyone who asks. No excuse for not knowing, because we don't understand fully. No excuse for not knowing. Do not let anything rob your goat, rob your joy of salvation, because you don't understand it fully. Remember the two problems with religion? We can't test it, and we can't understand, and so it creates doubts. But we need to remind ourselves again and again that even though I do, will not fully ever know it, this I know, that this is the truth. This is where my convictions come from. This is what I believe. And this is what shows in my life. Because a man or woman without conviction is like a ship without rudder and a plane without GPS. We worship and adore him. We love and serve him. And we live for him because there is no other way to live this life. There is no other way to live this life. I want to end this with um, other choir members. I want this. I uh, want to sing this. Uh, we, uh, oh, come all ye faithful, just first verse. Uh, we all remember that. Let's stand up and sing that. Oh, come all ye faithful. Let somebody start. Oh, <laughs> you faithful, 
joyful and triumphant, O come, ye, O come. Call him, glorious King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Please take your seat. Father, we thank you. We sing that song during Christmas time, but it is your desire and should be our desire too to adore Him, to worship Him, to live for Him, to obey Him, to testify and witness Him so that our lives are filled with joy, fulfillment, purpose, convictions. And our life is blessing to people around us and glorifying to you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. That revelation brings responsibility. Since we know this God through Jesus Christ our Savior, we follow him, obey him, and never, ever doubt him. Father, if there is anyone here that has not yet come to that relationship through your Son, our Lord, Savior, this moment, right here, your work through your Spirit so that that life is changed for eternity. And those of us who know you, Father, Keep us close to you so that we will ever, never, Father, doubt your love and doubt your truth and live by the convictions that you have placed on our hearts. It is for in his name and for his glory. Amen. Thank you.